Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast, where we talk about all things OCD. The show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace professional mental health care. Here's your host, Christina Orlova. Okay, welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast, and today I have a really awesome guest for the show. His name is Ethan Smith. He is the National OCD Advocate with IOCDF. He's also a writer, director, and producer. Welcome to the show, Ethan. Hi, Christina. Thanks for having me. Hi, thank you for coming on. Um, So one of the things that I do on my show when I interview folks is I like to kind of dive right in and have really real honest conversations about maybe a couple of topics. So with you, one of the things I wanted to ask you is that I, I know that you've been dealing and battling with OCD and, and you've been in recovery. And I think, you know, some, some questions that I hear folks ask often is, you know, what is the hardest thing about your OCD recovery? Um, you know, because everybody, when they're on their journey, I think in the beginning, thinks, oh my God, I don't know if this will ever go away or if I can ever get better. And I, I think it'll be so great to hear from, from you, somebody who's been through it, you know, like, yeah, what was that like? And what was what was something that was really difficult as you were on that journey? Yeah, it's a great question. And I only know how to have open and honest, real conversations. So I'm, I'm totally down with this. Um, you know, two things come to mind initially. I think it's important to note that um, management of OCD, you know, is, is, is an amazing life. And I think, you know, um, joining those two things together is important because we attach so much uh, comfort to this idea of cured and getting rid of and things like that. And so, you know, I think when we're in treatment and therapy and we're really deep into exposure response prevention and OCD is loud and we're feeling really awful and uncomfortable, the idea of like, oh, well, this might get better, but it doesn't go away. It doesn't sound that appealing. You know, it's like, is my life always going to feel like this? Am I always going to be this tired from fighting OCD? You know, is this what it's going to look like the rest of my life? And so the short answer is no, it isn't. Um, You know, uh, especially if you dive into the, the treatment and the ERP and whatever else, whatever other modalities of treatment you do. And life beyond, you know, the treatment of OCD really in your management and maintenance phase can really be beautiful. And um, I know it is for me. And, and I always like to preface by saying, now, that doesn't mean that I don't have obsessions, that I don't you know, do compulsions, um, that every day is perfect or amazing. I always like to say I'm living a full life. I didn't say joy. I didn't say happy, always happy. It's full. But I think full is important because that is life, right? Life is comprised of ups and downs and goods and bads and happies and sads. And, and, and I know that, that if I'm experiencing those things, then I'm experiencing life. And that's a win because OCD really sidelines you. I know it sidelined me for many years uh, since I was born. And then as I got older, you know, in my late 20s and early 30s, before I found real treatment for OCD, um, you know, just took me out of life completely. Uh, so to be able to sort of live in the stage of maintenance and management um, and and manage it in a way where I can live a full life, where OCD doesn't dictate my decisions or my functionality. It doesn't choose what I'm going to do. I choose my values instead of OCD. Um, that's a beautiful thing. So I want to associate that with ma- management and maintenance. So yes, it's a chronic, it's a chronic condition. It's there's no cure so far, 
But if you know a diabetic or um, someone with MS, you know, they have really good days and really bad days. And that's kind of the journey of the OCD, you know, for a lot of individuals with OCD is I try to live uh, sort of the mantra of more good days than bad. And I can apply that to really anything, uh, more good hours than bad hours in a day, more good days than bad days in a week and so forth and so on. And I try to really live by that. That allows me some compassion with myself and be able to experience rough days. And maybe I'm not making the best choices. And other times, you know, I'm making really good choices. And then I, I, I reflect back and I think, okay, well, you know, out of out of that month, I had, you know, four to four or five bad days. That, that's, that's pretty good. You know, I could beat myself up over that, but why? Because, you know, the grand scheme of things. So um, I think you can live a beautiful full life, um, successfully managing um, and remaining in, in maintenance of OCD. Um, and, uh, and, but it requires really just handing over the keys and giving into and surrendering to the treatment itself. Also, it's important to note that I do, you know, ERP every day. It doesn't mean that I actively participate in an exercise like in treatment, but I, I choose things that are uncomfortable all the time. Sometimes my OCD is really loud. Sometimes it's whispers and I barely notice it's around for, for days or sometimes weeks. Um, I'll have weeks when I, you know, compulse a little bit and then I'll have weeks when I compulse a little bit more and some weeks where I don't compulse at all. Um, so it's just about a balance, but um, life is amazing. I think the other, the other half of that, Christina, is... Um, is this idea, this reality of, you know, getting OCD under control and then life is going to be easy. Mm. And I think that is a big, um, a big myth. And I know that I bought into that belief and I think you need that to get better. I think you need that belief that if I can just get over this OCD hump, that I can really take control of my life. And that is very, very true. Um, and honestly, the treatment for OCD really, really sets you up for a beautiful, successful life, not just only in handling OCD, but really anything else except the commitment therapy is fantastic. There's so many modalities of treatment that really benefit you through your life journey. But I think what's important to note is life is hard. Life is hard for everyone, whether you have OCD, have anxiety, or don't have a mental illness, you know, life is hard. And just because you get your under your OCD under control doesn't mean that life is just going to be easy. And I think that hit me really hard in the beginning, just being honest and truthful, you know, yeah. I really thought like, oh, let me get OCD under control. And then I'm going to my career is going to be amazing. I'm going to meet the, the girl of my dreams and I'm going to be set for life. You know, that's kind of how my brain in a black and white way, imagine mm -hmm. things moving forward. Didn't quite play out like that, <laughs> but um, I think I can appreciate the journey very much. And, uh, and, you know, today living very much a life that I, I never thought I would live, but I'm, I'm living it. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you hit on so many incredible points. Most listeners who know or who have been following know I also have OCD and it, it my journey has been, it's just taken a lot longer to, to learn that it was in fact OCD, that that's what was happening. So, but yeah, you're exactly right. It's, it, it is incredible when you, when you apply the tools. Um, and, and with everything you're saying, I think one of the other questions I have is quite often, and even when you think back to yourself, you know, when you were first in this place and you were even just tr trying to grasp that principle and the concept of you know, I would be facing my fear. Like, like, what do you mean? Right? Like when you hear that initially, it, it can be a little bit jarring and shocking and, you know, you're so in your head oftentimes. And, and so everything's so catastrophic and it feels very scary. It, it feels very real. Um, and, you know, to even have that notion of you want me to have, or have a bad thought or, you know, with exposure work, right. When you hear exposure response prevention, like exposed to my fear, exposed to this thought, like what, how, what, Right. I think I think there can be difficulty just to wrap your brain around it. So what's what's something that you might or how might you help somebody conceptualize that or kind of wrap their brain around 
that concept? That also is a great question. And something that I definitely struggled with is I engaged in ERP for the first time at 31 after having OCD for 30 years and engaging in, you know, um, compulsions and, and the, the improper treatment, you know, tons of clinicians and therapists that didn't know how to do ERP. So by the time I found it, um, not only was it um, intimidating, you know, but I also didn't believe it would work because nothing else had worked up to that time. Mm-hmm. So I was, my willingness and my hope were really depleted. Um, it's a really, really good question. And I think there, there, there's a couple ways to look at this. You know, I think that individuals with OCD are so brilliant and so intelligent and, and, and talented and, 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 you know, they have vivid imaginations and creative. And that's true across all individuals with OCD. It's research shows us that. Um, and so with that is a blessing is the curse, right? Um, I think that we tend to overanalyze ERP. We tend to overthink it. We want to figure it out. Um, and, and I think that that is like, does us such a huge disservice and our brains are so analytical. You know, I always use the example. It's like the difference between somebody handing you a cell phone and saying, make a call and you just make the call or somebody handing you a cell phone and say, make a call and you go, well, first, how exactly does this work and why should I make the call? And let's open up the back and, oh, it goes to a satellite. And how does that work? You know, (laughs) that's a great example. (laughs) And I always think about that because the best thing you can do in treatment. And I always say this is you listen and say, yes, that's all you have to do. Like we overcomplicate so much and listening and say, saying yes is really, really scary because you know, your, your, your OCD is screaming at you. You're having feelings. And because you have those feelings associated with thoughts, it feels more real. It feels more that danger, that fight or flight. Um, but it really is about trusting in your, in your treatment provider, handing over the keys, you know, and listening and say, yes, saying yes can be your best friend in that, even though everything in your body and mind is screaming, this doesn't make sense. This is insane. I shouldn't be doing this. This is to protect me or, you know, whatever. Um, the other thing I'll say is I had a really hard time um, making sort of what we call the shift. Um, you know, I, I think I went probably eight or 10 months and could teach ERP to anyone, but I couldn't embrace it for myself. And it was really frustrating for me because um, I saw people around me getting better and I couldn't figure out how to how to get better. I thought I was doing the same thing as they were doing, but it wasn't working for me. And I was very thrown off by that fact. And therapists would say to me, you know, you're not fighting your OCD. And I really didn't know what that meant. It felt like a very sort of vague, nebulous phrase to me. Like, what does it mean to fight your OCD? I don't know. I don't want to have it. I, it really didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. What for me was a real turning point in being willing to face the things that scared me most was, first of all, knowing that there was no way around it right? Mm-hmm. You have to go through the fire to get on the other side. There really isn't a way around it. You cannot think it. It's illogical. You know, um, you can, the compulsions, look, they work at first. That's why you continue to do them. They do relieve the anxiety, but every time you do it, it's less and less and less unless you get stuck in the cycle. For me, clearly identifying um, what I was losing in my life by choosing OCD was a, made a profound difference in the way I approached treatment. And of course, what I'm talking about is like, what were my values? You know, what was important to me? Um, how did I, how did, how did I want to go through life? And, and what were the things that I wanted to focus on and put my behaviors toward? And we hear the word values all the time and they can mean different things to different people. Um, and even when somebody said, oh, well, don't you want to live toward your values? That seemed vague to me. That was too broad. I didn't understand that. So when I started to really sort of get granular with it and think about 
exactly what I was losing when I chose to compulse and making room to be able to discover that there's a choice in that you're choosing to compulse, even though sometimes it feels like I can't, it isn't, I won't, Mm -hmm. I'm choosing. But when I could say to myself, okay, Ethan, you have a choice. You can either compulse and maybe get relief, maybe not, or, you know, you can dive into this treatment, make a value driven decision and, and work towards something that you love. Um, and as hard as that was, I started correlating the idea of choosing OCD was saying no to fill in the gap. At the time I was an actor. So I'm saying no to this audition that I want to do tomorrow. I'm saying no to wanting to spend quality time with my family. I'm saying no to exercising. I'm saying no to meeting, meeting my significant other that I want to grow old with. I'm saying no to all of those things that are so important to me that, that really just drive me. And when I started realizing that choosing OCD was actively saying no to the things that were most important to me, I had a harder time saying no to those things. And suddenly, like, I was willing to fight a little bit more because it didn't make sense that I was saying no to the things that I loved most. So um, when I got real specific into the reason, like, okay, if I choose OCD, what am I losing? What am I choosing to lose? Um, and when you and when you think about it in those respects, it feels uh, a lot like a lot more weighty decision, but it helped me sort of visualize exactly how to fight my OCD and what I was choosing in order to fight my OCD, as opposed to just saying, oh, I got to fight my OCD, but I really don't know what that means. Yeah. Wow. That's a really great answer. And I, I love that you leaned right into that. And I also appreciate that, you know, it does take a little time sometimes, like you said, to really make that shift. And part of making a shift, what I'm really hearing is, is figuring out how to make sense of some of these things. Like, how, what what exactly like what's the cost what's the benefit right is there a benefit to doing compulsions and what's the cost of it and and getting super clear and, and granted sometimes I think as humans we're so good at justifying to ourselves why this feels important and why no I sh- but I should do this well well you know yeah that stuff's important but no no but I have like I have to do this now um we're just so good at that and kind of uncovering I think some of those um underlining justifications um that really would give ourselves, um, I think it sounds like it also could be really helpful in terms of getting clear, right? Like what excuses really am I giving myself for why? I would say you can always go back to compulsing. I mean, you you can always choose to go back to that, but as long as you came here to get help wherever here is, um, where you're trying to access treatment. And if you're reluctant to engage in ERP, you know, you came for a reason. You weren't happy with something. You weren't happy with the way your life was living. You were exhausted from compulsions. I know this is terrifying, but you know, give this a try, you know, um, and, and see, see, you know, see how you respond to it. I think it's important to hear from other people that have gone through treatment successfully, because really, you know, I think we relate to that. I, I sat there uh, when I was really sick, listening to people speak and saying, Hey, I went through this and I could do this too. You, you can do it too. And I literally in my mind was just cursing them out. I was like, you don't know what I'm going through. My OCD is different. My OCD is special. Um, you have no idea, or when a therapist, I did the same, same thing mentally to myself as a therapist, but you don't know what I'm going through. You've never seen a case like this. My OCD is special. We all feel like our own OCD is special. It's not, we're special. Our OCD is not, <laughs> um, you know, but lo and behold, suddenly I'm, you know, last 10 years, I'm having these talks and I'm not, I'm now that person, but I know there's people looking at me going, that's nice. You don't get it. I'll never be you. And I'm like, no, 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 you can be like, <laughs> if I can get better. You can too. Right. So that's why I love to advocate and talk about it because it's important to, see yourself and other people and vice versa to help lift, you know, lift people up and move forward in something that is, a real, it can be really scary. 
Absolutely. I love you said that. Honestly, I've had the same thoughts before. Um, Yeah. Like, yeah, whatever, dude, you don't know, like my stuff is different. Like I've got these other nuances and then you look further. And as you go through everything, you realize, wait a minute, this is literally super common. (laughs) Um, And I love the other point you made, which is to really, I think, understand and grasp the concept that you really can't bypass the process. Like you have to go through the fire. I think you said you have to go, you have to really go through the belly of the beast, if you will, to come out on the other side. Um, and I think so many folks are constantly trying to see if there's something else they can bypass or some other way they can skirt around it. And, and at the end of the day, it's really coming to that acceptance of like, look, I, I have to be willing to feel some sort of discomfort so I can kind of help myself relearn. It's that weird relationship with OCD because as much as we hate it and we don't want it and we don't want to experience it, it's the devil you know many times. You know, it's it's that other side, that thing that you don't know is so scary that it's like, well... I know what to expect with this, this pain, this suffering. I don't know what to expect over that hill that I can't see. And so uh, maybe I'll just stick with what I have. And there's that constant push and pull between those two things. Um, So, you know, understanding that even though you may not be able to see the other side, you know, jumping to reach it is worth it. Totally. Thank you so much for your time. Um, The last question I have for you for today, it's, you know, what would be something that you'd like to leave for our listeners, Um, a message or a statement or anything else um, to kind of just help people be inspired and maybe move on or take one step towards their healing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there's always help. There's always hope. You can get better. Um, I I definitely thought, you know, OCD would kill me. I felt that in my bones. Um, You know, a bunch of amazing folks didn't give up on me. And, uh, and, you know, I'm here now and, uh, and doing my best to raise as much awareness and advocacy as possible to let you know that you're not alone, to let you know you're not the only one, to let you know that your, your thoughts are not um, are strange or weird or dangerous or that you're bizarre, you know, that your thoughts are no different than anyone else's thoughts. We just have this little glitch that, you know, allows it to get sticky. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really important to, uh, to know that you can get better. You can absolutely get better. And I always like to tell my story because I always feel like if I got better, you can too. And so, um, you know, I just want to leave everybody with, um, knowing that, you know, like I said, there's help, there's hope, there's amazing resources. You can always visit the IOCDF.org, um, and to look up tons of resources, live streams, um, to feel, you know, to get support along the way. Um, and, uh, and what do you have to lose? You know? Yeah, that's great. And how can people find you if they'd like to connect with you? Yeah, for sure. You can follow me at uh, ethwriter at Instagram. I really should change that, but it's E-T-H-W-R-I-T-E-R. Um, and also anybody can email me uh, if they have questions about OCD or want to connect. You can email me at uh, E-T-H-O-C-D. That's ethocd at gmail.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Christina. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. To get additional support with OCD and have your personal questions answered, whether you are newly diagnosed, got through treatment and need help maintaining progress, or you can't afford treatment, visit Christina's on-demand Mastering OCD membership at masteringocd.com.